All right. Good afternoon, everybody. How are you doing today? I don't know about you, but I'm blessed. I'm blessed. God is good. Amen. God is so good. Hallelujah. God's in the house today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord for John Michael's father. Wonderful testimony. A mighty work. Hallelujah. And God appointed Pete Becker to come today so that he can bring in those three souls into the kingdom. And hallelujah, hallelujah for those who stood up. Hallelujah. God did a quick work in your heart just now. That's not the work that's just going on in your own will. That's God's spirit. He just did a deep work in your heart. And you stood up because God's spirit, hallelujah, was stirring you up. To take that step of faith. And the Bible says, draw near to God. He will draw near to you. And guess what? Before you made any step toward him, we love him because he first loved us. And it's a work and a story of grace. The hallelujah that you will discover as you live and walk the Christian walk. I encourage you, anyone uh, who has gotten saved recently or got saved today, I want to encourage you, get baptized in water. Hallelujah. If you haven't done that, you need to do that. The Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, be baptized, every one of you. We need to be baptized in water. And that is our declaration of repentance and faith, being identified with Christ in his death and being raised with Christ in his resurrection. That is a powerful identity. Hallelujah. So I want to encourage you to get baptized and, and get committed to a good Bible-believing, spirit-filled church. Amen? We've got a church like that here today. Amen? Hallelujah. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 17. And we're going to look at a very, very peculiar passage, as our brother Richard mentioned. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Look at verse 15 and 17. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you should not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she will become nations. Kings of people shall come, forth from, come, for, shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. Somebody laughing here. Hallelujah. Let me hear some laughter. So God appears to Abraham here in this chapter, and God, God actually, his name was Abram. God renames him Abraham. Not only that, he renames his wife, and then he tells Abraham, you will be the father of a multitude of nations. And then God also promises to establish an everlasting covenant with Abraham's offspring, and then he promises that he's going to give the land of Canaan to his offspring. Hallelujah. God makes all of these amazing promises to Abraham in this chapter. And how wonderful they are. And then in verse 17, it tells us that Abraham was so in all of God's amazing promises that he fell on his face and laughed. Now, there's something wrong with this picture here, right? Now, Actually, the fact that he laughed, it makes me think that maybe 
Abraham didn't fall flat on his face because of the power and presence of God. It's not that he got slain in the spirit or something like that. It's almost like Abraham fell on his face because he couldn't stop laughing out loud. That's what the Bible says. He laughed. Now, why did he laugh? Why did he laugh? If you keep on reading, Abraham explains why. Look at verse 17. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. And then he said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham laughed. He laughed because the picture of the promise that God just made, the picture was very funny. He is 100 years old, a 100-year-old harabaji, and a wrinkly old 90-year-old harmony. How are they going to get together and have a child? It's like God spent most of the chapter explaining these amazing promises only to set them up for the punchline. Abraham laughed because although the promises were amazing, they were also quite amusing. Abraham laughed because it was funny. I mean, some, some promises are just laughable. They're just amusing. Come on. Come on, somebody. Get up and go to the land that I will show you. Soon you will be taken from North Carolina, from Oklahoma, from Virginia, and you will be in Korea. Korea? I don't know any Korean friends. I don't even... What, what? Korea? Hallelujah. But you're here. Sometimes God's promises, they're just amusing. In fact, it's so amusing and laughable that Abraham quickly dismisses it, and then he suggests to God how these promises should be fulfilled. And Abraham says, Lord, how about Ishmael? Do all that stuff, just do it through Ishmael. All this 100-year-old, 90-year-old, come on. I'm not going to have no child. You know that, Lord. And he makes a suggestion to God. And brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you today a very simple message. Our God is a God of laughable promises. Oh, hallelujah. Tell your neighbor that. God's got a sense of humor. Keep off the grass. I mean, God's got a sense of humor, man. That's some funny stuff right there. That's some funny stuff. Hallelujah, man. When, when John Michael's father mentioned that, I think that's, that's when the Spirit of God just started stirring upon some of the people in here. They're like, oh, hallelujah. I mean, God got a sense of humor. Now, the Lord Jehovah is a God of laughable promises. Think about it. The amazing plans of God are not fulfilled through predictable, ordinary means. Hallelujah. Before I go on, God has got laughable promises. I am a pastor of laughable promises. I promised y'all last week that I will give you a 10-minute sermon today. Hallelujah. All right. I will be faithful to that promise. It just won't be today. Hallelujah. All right. So, glory to God. You're going to get doubly blessed today. Hallelujah. Now, think about it. The amazing promises of God cannot be fulfilled. They do not just get fulfilled through ordinary means. 
But instead, God, hallelujah, if you really want to experience the perfect will of God for your life, it's not going to be natural. It's going to be supernatural. Hallelujah. When you talk about God's plans and promises for your life, the response that you actually should get. <laughs> that's cute. How tall are you? Right. Keep dreaming. What did you say? <laughs> man, you crazy, man. You don't even have a college degree. That's impossible. Look at yourself. She's way out of your league. <laughs> right? Man, you mentioned you talk about the plans of God. That, those are the kind of responses that you just might get. When you talk about God's promises for your life, I'm telling you, this is the promise. This is the response you should get. Right? People laughing at you. Look, when they laugh at you, don't doubt. Don't give up so fast because our God is a God of laughable promises. That's just the way he does things. If you come back to our original passage, after Abraham had a good laugh, all right, women are supposed to be more sensitive. Let's look at how his wife responded. Look, look at chapter 18, verses 9 through 15. Follow along with me. I'm going to read the whole thing. Genesis 18, verses 9 through 15. Reading from the ESV. And they, talking about these angels that God has sent, they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? Abraham said, she's in the tent. And the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And now Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of woman has ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah <laughs> laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? <laughs> the Lord said to Abraham, Why does Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I, I, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. But God said, no, but you did laugh. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's, that's some funny stuff right there. Some funny dialogue going on. Now, as you can see, when Sarah heard about the promise, she also laughed. And the text tells us that for her, she was actually more amused by the prospect that her and her husband will need to get between the sheets again. Did you, if you read the Hebrew here, that's exactly what she's saying. Think about the words, right? She says, after I am worn out, <laughs> shall I have pleasure? She, she just thought it was the funniest thing, getting back between the sheets with her old man. Sarah's like, look, the pregnancy is funny, but me and the old man hooking up again, that's hilarious. <laughs> All right, that's what she was saying. Read, 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 hallelujah. Read the original, hallelujah. And you got to imagine, it was not only laughable to Sarah, it was also laughable to her whole family, their friends, all their servants. Every time they talked about it, everybody got a good laugh. Now, in the midst of all this laughter, you got to ask yourself the question that the Lord asked Abraham in verse 13. Why did Sarah laugh? 
Turn to your neighbor and ask them that. Why, why, what was the real reason Sarah left? Uh, of course, you know, the, the thing, but besides that. Why did Sarah laugh? Why would, why would anyone laugh at something like that? Why would her friends, her family, her servants, why would they laugh? Why? I'll tell you why Sarah laughed. She laughed because she couldn't believe it. You see, it wasn't a ha-ha-ha laughter. It was ha-ha-ha-yeah-right laughter. See, after the, that, that, you know, hallelujah. It's the laughter, it was the laughter of unbelief. And so when God asked this question, why did Sarah laugh? He's not looking for an answer. God knows why she laughed. In fact, he answers his own question and exposes Sarah's unbelief by asking, is anything too hard for the Lord? You see that? Why did Sarah laugh? It was because of the laughter of unbelief. It was unbelief. Now, let me ask you a question today. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Hallelujah. Is anything too hard for the Lord? JSCM will grow to 500. <laughs> right. How about God comes to Marcus tonight? Start studying hard because you're going to be preaching in Korean and thousands are going to be revived. Are y'all saying hallelujah? Marcus will be like, but, but Lord. <laughs> Have you looked at the color of my skin lately? Stop making fun of that brother because he's your husband. And you're going to be the mother of six of his children. Come on, Lord. Him? What? <laughs> Start researching because you're going to build five schools and ten orphanages in North Korea. Lord, I can't even manage my hagwon. <laughs> That's crazy. Think about it. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Yeah, it's hard for you, but how about for the Lord? We're not talking about a promise that you made. But it's a promise that is spoken by the mouth of the Lord. Your atheist spouse will soon get healed of cancer, saved, baptized by the Spirit on the same night. All his siblings will get saved. They will wear matching shirts and go out to India and preach the gospel. <laughs> yeah, right. It's a laugh, laughable promises. Jesus said in Matthew 19, 26, he said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Hallelujah. Somebody say, all things are possible. All things are possible. Is the arm of the Lord too short to save? The most hardened of sinners. The most messed up of lives. Hallelujah. Sometimes when we evangelize, we try to target the people that, that look like they just might come to church with you. Right? We avoid the ones that are like smoking up on the street, wearing like thug gear, you know. We don't approach them. We approach the ones that, that look nice, that look like, you know, they'll talk to you back. Why? Why? Because in our minds, 
we think it's too hard to try to get them saved. When's the last time you went up to a prostitute? I mentioned the, the ministry hookers for Jesus last week. If you don't understand that, just look, listen to my last message. It's going to sound really weird, actually. But, but hallelujah. When's the last time you did that? Because in your eyes, you think it's impossible. But is anything too hard for the Lord? In Luke chapter 1, an angel of the Lord appeared to Mary and said, You will have a child, though you are a virgin. And the angel also said, Not only that, even Elizabeth, your, sib- your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And then the angel said, For nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Amen? Come on, somebody. Nothing is impossible with God. Amen? Hallelujah! The Word of God. And our God is a God of laughable promises. And His promises wouldn't be His promises without an element of the supernatural, of the impossible, of the are you crazy, of the can you believe that? I believe it, but I can't believe it. And when there's this element of the impossible involved, the promises of God seem laughable. Not because God is trying to be funny, but because people lack faith. And all throughout the Bible, men and women that God chose for His purposes were given laughable promises. You see, in Genesis chapter 6, Noah was given a promise. God told him to build an ark because he was about to send a flood to destroy the entire earth. Now, when Noah began building that ark, what do you think people did? They laughed at him. What do you think his family did? They laughed at him. See, for many years, Noah was going, Lord, this ain't funny. But he, by faith, he built that ark. Sometimes, hallelujah, God will give you a promise. And the first people to laugh at you is going to be your family. And God's like, don't get faced by that. Don't get faced by that. You keep doing. You hold on to the promises I give you. Hallelujah. In Genesis 36, I mean 37, hallelujah, how we, we sounding good on the podcast? Everything good? Hallelujah. All right. Genesis 37, Joseph was given a promise at the age of 17. And God gave it to him in two dreams. Now, when Joseph shared this dream to his half-brothers, hallelujah, they got a good laugh. They got a good initial hearty laugh. But then you know what? I bet, hallelujah, when they realized that Joseph actually believed it, they began to despise him and hate him. Hey, check out this dream I had last night. There were these sheaves of wheat, and I was the one in the middle, and y'all were bowing down to me. And they were like, (laughs) you crazy boy. They were all bowing down to me. And he really believes it. And that, that's, that's what happened. They got so bitter, they despised and hated him so much. They tried to kill him. Hallelujah. And you know what? When God gives you a laughable promise, and you hold on to it, don't be surprised if people despise you. They slander you. They hate you for it. Because the, 
the demon spirits in them, they won't be happy that you ain't laughing along in unbelief, but you're actually believing and trusting God for it. Those demon spirits ain't going to be happy with that. Don't be surprised, brothers and sisters. Some of the laughable promises of God are so amazing. You believe it. Oh, other people are going to hate you for it. In Mark chapter 5, when a little girl died and God's spirit gave a word of knowledge and the gift of faith to Jesus, Jesus went in there to raise her from the dead. Look what the passage says. In Mark chapter 5, verse 39, the Bible says, Jesus went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But verse 40. <laughs> they laughed at him. This is a funeral, mind you. Right? This is a funeral. What do they do? They laughed at him. Why would they laugh? It's a funeral. There's nothing funny at a funeral. Right? Why are they laughing? They laughed because they lacked faith. Jesus said this, this statement and they just laughed. In fact, they didn't just lack faith, they had no faith. So look what Jesus does. It's interesting. If you keep reading on, it says, He put them all out. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, and he went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum. Which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. All that in Talitha kum. <laughs> Immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. As Jesus was approaching that family's house, God gave him a promise. You're going to raise that girl from the dead. So Jesus went in and was like, hey, look, stop. All right, look, no need to despair. Look, I'm a ra- God's going to raise her from the dead. All right, and everybody laughed at him. Jesus, the son of God. But hallelujah, in a moment, this family's mourning was turned to joy. Because is anything too hard for God? No, but this is nothing is impossible. Nothing's impossible for God. In my own life, God has given me laughable promises, some of them amusing, some of them amazing. When I was an NYU college student, my old mentor, Brother Michael, used to prophesy all the time. Brother, hallelujah, the Lord is telling me you've been thinking too much about your marriage this past week. Stop thinking about your marriage. Think more about the Lord. And the Spirit of God says, your wife will be beautiful inside and out. Inside out, oh. She's going to be beautiful. Hallelujah. And you know, when people, like my friends were around, they, they would hear him. He prophesied that maybe like three or four times different occasions, my friends would be like, ah, <laughs> you're going to marry someone beautiful inside out. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> Man, you lose your hair every week. <laughs> ha! Who got the last laugh? Hallelujah. Some, some promises of God, they're just amusing. Some of them are amazing. 
There was this girl when I was a sophomore at NYU. She was a freshman. Her name, her name's Hannah Song. And, and uh, we were we kind of connected because we got that ghetto spirit, got that kind of ghetto heart. So we connected right away. I don't know how it happened, but she would call me Colin. I don't know where I got that nickname from. And I would call her Hill, kind of like Lauren Hill, like Hill. Yo, what's up, Hill? He'd be like, yo, what's up, Colin? And we just like connected. And, but I noticed that she was living a very, a very um, displeasing life, very sinful life. And, I, and so I, I prayed for her. I prayed for her. And I was like, Lord, you do a work in her. You do a work in her. God, I was praying for her. And God put it in my heart. God said, you see that? You see Hannah? I'm going to use her mightily for my kingdom. And so I was like, yeah, Lord, Hannah, yeah. Party girl, going out of Rutgers. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't know what went on down there. Hallelujah. But hearing David Pio's testimony, you know, it wasn't very good. I'm going to use her money for my kingdom. One time, Brother Michael prayed for her. She wasn't even saved yet. And God was just like, I got a purpose for your life. And she couldn't stop crying. And I was like, Hannah Song. All right. So I tried to pray for her. One semester after praying for her, second semester, she backslid even worse than she was living. She got even worse than that. Got involved with all these fraternity guys and just worse and worse. Not that fraternities are bad. Hallelujah. Bless the Greek. But uh, it got worse and worse and worse. Terrible, man. Hallelujah. And I just started kind of laughing to myself. God, when are you going to fulfill that promise? It wasn't until like five, six years later. I got a phone call, random phone call. It's like, yo, Colin. I'm like, what? Is that you, Hill? Yeah, Colin, we need to meet up. I need to tell you what happened in my life. I'm going to church. And I, I need to tell you something. So I'm like, all right, well, well, okay. Well, that's good. That's a start. She needs to start going to church. We met up. She tells me this amazing testimony of how God just, while she was full-on rebellion, God just stepped in, just turned her life around completely, brought her to the foot of the cross, and after she put her faith in Christ for the first time ever, she looked through her belongings. And inside her belongings was a book. It was a Christmas gift that I had given her. And inside the, inside the front cover of that book, I wrote a little note. And I was like, Hannah, I'm praying for you. God's got a mighty purpose for you. Da, da, da. I don't remember what I wrote. Hallelujah. I wrote something good. <laughs> she took it out the box. And she was like, oh, where does this book come from? Where is it? She opens it up and she sees this note. And it was just like, wow, I have to talk to Christian about what happened. And she, that's then when she realized how much prayer had gone into her. Hallelujah. Perhaps God has given you some promises in your life. You will write several books. You will plant thousands of churches. You will go out into the nations and heal the sick. You got these promises. And they are laughable. But brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. It don't take faith to trust God for the natural. 
It takes, God, it takes faith to trust God for those laughable promises. For those, not just amusing, but amazing ones. It takes faith. Hallelujah. If you go back to our original passage, a couple of chapters later in Genesis 21, verse 1 and 2, the Bible says, The Lord Jehovah, he visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. Hallelujah. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Hallelujah. What did that passage just say? I'll tell you what it said. God is faithful. Amen. That's what it said. Even when there is doubt among the very people that receive his promises, God is faithful. God is faithful. And you know what? I think this particular promise, you know, there are certain promises that personally God will make to you and it's going to require faith for you to see them fulfilled. If you don't take steps, if you don't pray, you don't ask, seek, and knock, you're going to forfeit those promises for your life. And there are certain personal ones that require faith. But you see, this, this promise is not just a personal promise to Abraham, you see. This was a promise made to a nation. You see, God doesn't just deal with individuals. God is a God who also deals with nations. And hallelujah, as Christians, we need to understand that. That's a deep spiritual truth right there. Hallelujah. And when God deals with nations, even when there is unbelief among the very people that he has made that promise to, God fulfills and is faithful to those promises. Hallelujah. And when God fulfills those such promises, He fulfills them for His name's sake, for His glory's sake. And even when He finds unbelief, He will bring His promises to pass. The Bible says the glory, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters over the sea. You see that? Even if nobody on earth believed that promise, that laughable promise will come to pass. Because it's not just a personal one. It's a national, world one. Jesus will return again for a spotless bride. Hallelujah. Oh, he's going to get a spotless bride, brothers and sisters. The work of God's Spirit in this generation is going to be so amazing, so filled with the fire of God, so accelerated. Hallelujah. The people of God that Jesus returns for is going to be a holy people. Hallelujah. With the time that when he returns, they're going to be living such holy lives. It's going to be like unprecedented. All the churches of history won't be able to compare to the bride that he will have prepared when Jesus returns on the earth. And there are some prophets today and they're telling us that in these next 15 years that God's going to bring in such a harvest Hallelujah. And I, and I heard this actually this morning from the Daluge uh, conference in Louisiana. Uh, some prophets are saying, next 15 years, God's going to do such an amazing work that there's going to be more worshipers on earth than there are in heaven. And these worshipers on earth, I mean, statistically, it makes sense because there's a huge population boom. And these worshipers on earth, they're going to be so pure, holy, 
and walking in God's authority and faith. Hallelujah. They're so clothed in righteousness. They're going to cry out. They're going to cry out. And that's going to tip the scales for Jesus to return to the earth. To gather his people. Isn't that an amazing thought? They're going to come to a time when there are going to be more believers on earth than there are in heaven. Oh, that's crazy, man. That's crazy. That's a, that seems laughable. Our oh, God is a God of laughable promises. And you know, just like people told Abraham, you can't have more children. Just like people told Sarah, there's no way you're going to give birth. You know what? The devil does the same thing today. He looks at you and says, you are infertile. Your womb is barren. Revival? Yeah, right. <laughs> You've never experienced that. Your barren womb, you never give birth. You're barren. You're done. You're over. Just roll over and die already. Those are the kinds of lies that our generation hears. You know what? A lot of young people, they believe it. That's why they live the kind of lives that they do. Because they don't truly believe that they can be affected for the kingdom of God. But the word of God comes to us and says, No, you are not barren. In fact, out of you, will come nations. Out of you will come kings and priests. Out of your womb will come revival that will touch the nations. You will be blessed to be a blessing to all nations. That's what the word of God is saying to this generation. And hallelujah. When the right time came, Sarah gave birth to a son. And it was at the time which God had spoken to Abraham about. And you know what? All the promises of God, they're like a good movie. They all have a release date. date, A release date. Hallelujah. And hallelujah, whether you know when that release date is not, or whether you know when it is or not, I want to encourage you. Write down your dreams. Write down your visions. Write down the laughable promises of God for your life. And then begin taking steps and hold on expectantly. For the Bible says all the promises of God, ha <laughs> ha or not, they are in Christ, yes and amen, to the glory of God. Can somebody say yes? yes. Can somebody say amen? amen? Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, if you're going to laugh at the promises of God, don't laugh in unbelief. Laugh with laughter of joy. That's what Sarah did. And finally she saw this child. Genesis 21, 6, Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And guess what? She didn't care. Because it was a laughter of joy. Brothers and sisters, we need to have that kind of laughter before we see the promises fulfilled. Not after. It's easy to do that when, it's after, when, you, when you have it. But it takes faith to laugh that kind of laughter before any of those things come to pass. Brothers and sisters, rejoice and be glad 
knowing that the word of God says anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Hallelujah. Let us pray.